Welcome to Beautifully Vulnerable, a podcast series hosted by Melissa Panero. The purpose of this podcast is to help highly sensitive creative entrepreneurs turn their vulnerabilities into their strengths. Please sit down, relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a new episode of Beautifully Vulnerable. Today I have with me Kylie Macbeth from Vancouver. She works with her company Zura Health. She is a life coach. I've been following her work on Instagram and been extremely inspired by her writing. She's a just a natural writer. Please follow her. She's full of inspiration. So Kylie, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for that beautiful intro. I really appreciate that. <laughs> and hey, everyone. Here. So excited <laughs> to be here. So Kylie, would you like to tell our audience about yourself, your work? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So for the past two years, I have been a life coach, as you said, but also a holistic health coach where I focus on the mind-body-soul connection. A lot of my work where I focus a lot predominantly on with my clients is one-on-one coaching and the deep emotional healing work that I've found to be the most transformational in my own personal journey as well as the journey of my clients. So yeah, I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, and I am like a life enthusiast, world traveler, and lover of people. So, and lover of deep conversations. So, I'm really happy to be here with you today. <laughs> That's amazing. I just love when you said deep emotional healing work. Tonight, I really want to talk to you, talk with you about uh, traumatic events, what they can teach us, how we can awaken. And after reading one of your beautiful articles about traumatic events and how they have shaped your life, I'm really excited to hear your story. (laughs) Well, I'm excited (laughs) to share it with you. Amazing. Trauma is an interesting one um, because I think there's so many varieties of trauma and that we all have experienced throughout our lives uh, in this human condition and our human journey. So I'll just briefly go through my personal story and really highlight some of the nuggets of wisdom and or transformational power of the certain traumas that I've been through. Oh, please, please do. Amazing. So (laughs) I was probably around the age of 18 going right into university kind of on the path that I'd call status quo. It's just like what everybody else was doing after you graduate high school. It was just natural that the next step in the path was to go to university. And of course, going to university was was a big question mark for me, to be honest with you, because I, I never really asked the question, hey, Kai, what do you want to do in your life? Um, what are you passionate about? What really lights you up? It was more of a a fear-based mentality when I entered into university. It was, what can I, what field can I go into that is most secure, that will provide me with the financial security and safety that I truly felt that I needed 
from the world. So it was a very externally guided decision. So I went pre-med and I also went um, and graduated with a business degree. So after that, uh, graduated from university and jumped right into a very serious relationship with my now ex-husband, which we'll get there. Um, (laughs) And yeah, jumped into that relationship, got engaged about six months after graduating from university. And at this point I was in a sales job, which, oh man, um, was so far out of alignment with my truth that I started to become really disconnected from my purpose and started to feel really depressed in my, my job, but I had the marriage and the engagement. So that was the exciting part. So that kind of distracted me from the reality of being disconnected for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I got engaged, got married and about a year into my marriage, I had what many consider the perfect life from the outside. It looked like the dream come true, like the house, the dog, like beautiful husband, the, the dog, like everything, you know, it's like checkbox, everything off the checklist was like there. And it was like, okay, you should be happy. And I wasn't. And that scared me because I was like, okay, if this is what everybody subscribes to, and this is what should make me happy, then why am I not happy? So I felt a lot of shame and guilt around not being happy, which um, I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with when, you know, everything should look perfect. And then it's like, oh, wait, I'm still not happy. And I'm depressed and I'm disconnected from my true purpose. So about a year and a year and a half into the marriage, I started really becoming more disconnected from myself, but also really getting stuck in a lot of, uh, narratives that were fear-based where I started to blame and criticize because I didn't actually know the way out. Uh, so it was like, if this happened, so if my now ex stayed with me or spent more time with me, then I'll be safe. And it was really just trying to control the external environment because I was so out of control internally um, with suppressed emotions and not being able to communicate and self-express myself and ask for what I needed emotionally. Um, And also the spiritual disconnection from my purpose for being here on the planet. So um, this eventually led to my divorce, which uh, was the catalyst for my, uh, I guess I'll use the word awakening. Um, because it was in those moments where I actually had to face everything that I was afraid to look at my whole life. It was the catalyst to actually go within and take a look at all of the unprocessed pain that I had never allowed myself to feel from childhood. Mm. <laughs> Ancestral too, because we come in, in into our lives like inheriting ancestral wounds. Um, And the study of epigenetics talks about this, but also like societally and culturally, like all of the image, like the roles and the messages we were sent around who we should be, what we should be doing. And, and on top of that, also our roles in our family system. So for me, that catalyst was like where I finally had to look in the mirror and ask myself, who are you? And in that moment, which was the most terrifying moment of my life, I knew deep down that this was exactly what I needed to actually 
in, like to become um, the person I am today because without that like kind of shake in my system and or like breaking open, I would have never allowed myself to feel pain because I would have been in a really comfortable space. I would, there was no challenge really. Um, it was just, you know, just keep going down the motions like the rat will. Um, and you know, you can live a content life. But what happened was, is I started the pain of being out of alignment with my truth and myself started to become greater than the fear of not moving. And in the process of my divorce, I woke up to all of that. And for the first time ever, allowed myself to really feel and start to peel back the layers of who I thought I needed to be to be loved and start to create the relationship with my deeper self and give myself the love, validation, acceptance, and unconditional um, love that I was truly craving from whether that be family or father, mother in the past to now husband, it was like, okay, now it's actually time to give myself that love. And I think those are what these traumatic periods in our lives are. They're invitations to growth. And I know during, of course, it's like when all the pains rising to the top are like, uh, yeah, I'm not so sure that this is, you know, the catalyst for <laughs> the next level of my life or aligned with my, my purpose because it's, it is painful. And, and that's why a lot of people are somewhat not necessarily inclined to do this work because it, it is terrifying. You, you have to actually take a look at who you're being. And in a way, Melissa, it's like a death. It's like a death of who we thought we needed to be and a rebirth into who we truly are. And in that process, it does feel like we're abandoning those around us and the world and, and our old self that made us feel safe and protected and, and was our protective armor in the systems in which we were raised and, and how we knew how to be. So traumatic incidents for me now are invitations inwards to create a new foundation, a new relationship to self um, so that we actually know where we're going and where we're headed and what we want to be doing and, and, and what, what's a yes and what's a no. So yeah, that's wow. what I have to say about <laughs> trauma <laughs> experience. Wow. Every time I record an episode, there's always like these heartbreaking, heartwarming stories. And I'm always like feeling so, I don't know, so alive during this conversation. So thank you so much for sharing that. I know it was um, it was a lot for you, so I, I really appreciate you sharing it on the podcast. Um, I, w I wanted to ask you, do you think that in the moment that you realized that you weren't being true to yourself and you really needed to grow and expand and look within, do you think that that process could have not occurred if you stayed with your ex-husband? This is a wonderful question, and it is a question that I actually had to answer within the relationship with my ex, and what's so interesting about this is we were sitting there, and it was actually, it was heartbreaking, but also heart opening at the same time, because all of me didn't want to leave. I loved this human. He was 
he, he in a way was my soulmate and one of the, my biggest teachers. And I have nothing but respect for him, his, his role and our relationship in my life. But we were sitting there and he said to me, he's like, you know, that you need to go. And even though you don't want to like say you, you don't, you know, deep down that it would be out of alignment with your truth if you stayed. And I remember sitting there and everything in me was like, no, don't, he's not right. He's not right. But I knew deep down in every cell of my being that if I didn't step out of that relationship and really allow myself the space and the time to meet myself and grow that I would never become the person I was supposed to be. So as much as I was like, no, 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 deep down intuitively, I knew that I needed to. So it was such a, that was a, that's such a good question. And it's a question that nearly knocked me over more than once, but it was like, nope, you still have to move forward. And I was like, but why can't I do this growth with him too? And it was like, <laughs> no, that's not your path. And I really had to honor that. And as, as hard as it is sometimes to honor that deeper knowing it was, um, it was necessary. And luckily I was divinely supported by my ex and, and that made the process as hard as it was a little bit easier. So, yeah. It's almost like you had to choose your intuition your, over your heart, right? Right, in a way. Wow, that actually, I've never thought of it in that, like, from that perspective. Um, yeah, it was, it was bigger than me. It felt bigger than me at the time. And my heart needed to break open because I had never allowed myself to feel pain before mm. these moments. And, and I had no emotional tolerance. So how can I do the work I do today if I never allowed myself to feel my own pain and actually struggle? And, and I don't mean that like, uh, I, I guess it was just, I had to actually face everything I was afraid to face. And in the safety and comfort of that relationship, I knew that I would not be propelled to do that. And it would be unfair to him and to the future self and or myself to stay in something that wasn't, wasn't true for me anymore because I was changing and I needed that space to change and to grow and become who I was. So yeah, in a way it, it felt like that, but it, I think they both knew my heart and my gut knew intuition that I needed to move forward as painful mm -hmm. as it was. That is such an embodiment of emotional courage. And I appreciate you sharing that so much because we all need to hear that that is possible, that connecting to that inner voice is what we really need to grow and evolve. And there, there's going to be pain because if we want to grow, if we want to evolve, if we want to expand, we are going to have to face all our insecurities, all our traumas, all our wounds. And that's the only way we can really transform, right? Right. Right. I, I, yeah, I think... I love what you said there is to create that connection to intuition or that internal voice or that inner knowing we do, we must go through the process of healing our emotional wounds because what happens is if we're holding on to shame, fear, doubt, guilt, um, anger, rage, then it can be very hard to hear through 
all of those suppressed emotions. And in the process of allowing yourself to feel, you start to create not only mental clarity, but in like bottle, like clarity within our bodies where we start to feel clearer and we can hear that internal voice much better than before when we were I, uh, underneath emotionally chaotic, right? Absolutely. That is so true. And do you think that um, in our lives, in our life, when we haven't healed yet, when the when we haven't faced our wounds yet, yeah. we fall in love with um, with that person who represents the the parent that hurt us the most, mm-hmm. in maybe an unconscious way, so that they can hurt us again, and we finally have a chance to heal. Do you feel like that was the case for you? I do. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that we do attract and or call in certain relationships uh, that dovetail perfectly with our wounds um, so that we actually must face them. And I, and I heard this once, so I don't even know who said it, but it was, um, if your soul's lesson was to learn how to love itself and not to abandon itself, it would send in somebody who left you so that you actually had to meet yourself and face that. And and a lot of the ways I felt like my need for security, uh, love, uh, validation was so externally focused on that relationship. Like he was the source of everything for me that I was looking for maybe in my father when I was a child and he couldn't give that to me. And And that's fair because that's not his job to give it to me. It's my job (laughs) to be connected with myself and know who I am and what my emotional needs are so that I can stand strong and be in wholeness instead of um, dependent on on him. In that way, because I think we're all emotionally dependent in relationships. Of course, that's what relationships are. We we care. We our hearts are almost intertwined. So of course, it's back and forth. But to actually really enter in, open and willing and able to receive love, we must be believe that we even deserve it. So we do have to, like you said, go through the insecurities and really create the container to for a solid relationship. Because if you don't do the self work with yourself to hold space. For that type of love, it can be very challenging to create that type if you don't even know and have that embodied within yourself. So, mm, absolutely. Would you mind sharing with us uh, how the relationship with your father has impacted that relationship, or past relationships, or even your current relationship? Mm. Yeah, I'll speak to pops. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, for 24 years, put my father on a pedestal. He was um, someone who I, I consider considered a hero, and, and my father is an amazing human being and so loving. However, during childhood, um, was very much emotionally disconnected, didn't necessarily have the tools to be emotionally present and or um, have those conversations of depth where emotions felt safe um, and really an understanding for who I was as a person. So I was always constantly looking for his approval 
by actually just doing what he said I should do. Um, and not maybe necessarily explicitly, but implicitly, it was always like, well, go to med school and, and follow in my footsteps. My father was a surgeon. So um, I always felt that that was the way I needed to receive love was be perfect in their eyes, stay within the lines and, and they'll love you. And because that wasn't actually the path that I am intended to be on, I actually had to, in, in the face, um, or in the process of my divorce, start to cultivate and reparent myself and give little Kylie what she didn't receive um, in the past today so that I could heal those pieces and reintegrate, um, and embody all of those pieces of who I am, but be that my emotional self, cause I am very emotional and, and have a very, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sensitive heart. So I needed to actually have a really strong relationship with my emotions and also all of the roles I was taking on. Um, but in the process of the divorce and, and after it, this journey of really cultivating that relationship to self, my, my relationship with my dad was rocky during those times because there was a disconnect from, from needing that validation and, or, um, uh, direction from him. And I think that kind of rocked a foundation a little bit with him because of course, as parents, they care and, and they want to provide support and guidance and do believe they know sometimes what's best for you, even though that's not necessarily the case. Um, but throughout the process of really cultivating and understanding myself and my, my family systems, and it has allowed me to see my dad from a different perspective where I have grieved what I didn't receive in the past and, and started to understand and see my own father as a child and to, to really just understand that we all have our stuff and some of us haven't looked at it and some of us don't have the tools yet to be able to support us in ways that we wish they could have in the past. So because of all of that healing taking place with myself, um, I think that my relationships have expanded tremendously in depth um, in, in where we can take the conversations um, and creating a really a deeper intimate space, not only with my um, partner and boyfriend now, but also with my dad, where we can get more real and more authentic and talk about what's really going on <laughs> instead of like the surface level stuff. Um, because that's where, that's where it's juicy. That's where it's, that's where life comes alive for me. And I know you resonate with that too, which is so amazing. Those yeah. deep conversations where we're talking about, okay, what's really going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get there. Let's do it. <laughs> so Wow. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> we absolutely had a very similar journey. I, I also grew <laughs> up with a father that was um, emotionally disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I never really um face that up until now now it's really my time to as you said reparent myself grieve what i didn't have give myself what i didn't have and sort of heal heal that wound and yeah. that that hurts that hurts incredibly and i i don't even know where to start but i believe that um 
the only thing I can do is forgive myself, forgive him, and understand that we're all human. We we have our limits. You yeah. can't expect your parents to be perfect or to be super humans. You have to love right. them for who they are, as hard as that can be. Right. And, that, and, that... and don't minimize the pain, right? Like, mm. here's 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 the thing. Like, we... We know that rationally. Everything you just said, absolutely. Our parents are doing the best they can with the information they have. They have all the wounds that they've been, you know, acquired. Rationally, we understand that. But emotionally, through the lens of a child and or those pieces of ourselves, don't necessarily understand that. And it's not to disassociate or bypass that because the feeling of those feelings can have, like, need to be processed and need to be expressed whether that be through writing a letter to dad or mom Mm -hmm. don't have to hand it to them of course because that's really the healing is just getting it out on paper and really take a look at it and allowing yourself to reparent but also like express what what that felt like for yourself so you can get it out of your body yeah yeah healing is is in the feeling i believe so yeah and do you think we will ever fully heal or the healing is eternal that's also another great question you have good questions um i i don't necessarily think the healing journey ever ends i do think we become more emotionally resilient and we start to metabolize fear and all of these emotions more or faster the more we actually invite them in and acknowledge them and accept them as pertinent information and emotional data for driving us forward on our path. Um, so no, I don't think it ever ends and I would be bored if it did, to be honest with you. Um, because that's what colors life for me is our emotional experience. And for me, there's always a new level or a new layer to the onion. It never gets smaller. (laughs) It just gets bigger. So yeah, it's just always to remain curious and open. Uh, what's coming up for me? What am I supposed to learn from this? And, um, just being present to that instead of judging it, suppressing it and, and trying to avoid it because that doesn't lead us anywhere good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I completely agree. It's probably a never ending journey. We all, we're just getting wiser and we keep getting more tools to grow and expand and make the process a little less painful but still, like, we're always going to have a new challenge, a new turning point, new breakthroughs. Right. And probably that's what makes us alive and that's what feeds the sensitive soul, I guess. You know, Absolutely. Way. Well, we uh, learn from polarities. We need that um, sometimes extreme. I know it sucks to hear, but sometimes we need that extreme pain and or uh, so that we do grow, so that we... <laughs> are forced to actually look deeper or explore or get curious instead of remaining in the same place as as hard as change and as uncomfortable it can as it can seem sometimes um we we do learn through those extreme opposites so yeah embracing that right Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes i i read in one of your posts that you yeah. wrote i knocked myself down mm. so i could awaken and when I read that, I was like, "Whoa, that is that is big." Do you wanna Do you wanna share a bit more about that knocking yourself down, that awakening? 
Yeah, you know what? We'll go there, Melissa, because I feel like it's time to go there. Um, so that knocking myself down piece is is a very interesting, delicate time for me in my life where um, I was so disconnected and I felt so internally trapped um, by the pressure of the society-created self that I had become that I actually ended in a path where I, after being <clears throat> disconnected, depressed, you know, you name it, I was there, um, did something that was so far out of alignment. It was my WTF moment that it actually broke me down in one second where it was like, if you do this, your whole world would crack open. And I did it and, and it, and I'll tell you what, I kissed my boss at a Christmas party when I was drunk. Um, <laughs> not a good idea, by the way, ladies. Don't, you know, it's like that. And it was in that moment that uh, my whole world and who I thought I was cracked open and scared the, the I just scared me half to death because it was so out of alignment with who I am that I had to look in the mirror and, and really take some deep looks and ask some serious questions about, okay, like, who are you? What just happened? How did you end up here? And how do you never make it back? And it was in that process, which was very humbling for me, um, that I started to really have compassion, not only for everybody else on the planet, but also to cultivate that compassion for myself because we can end up in some very interesting places when, when we're being, I don't want to use the word controlled, but I do because it's a subconscious and unconscious controlling that's happening from these suppressed emotions and wounds that we aren't necessarily aware of until we actually have to look at them and we're faced with the opportunity to go deeper. So that was my WTF moment where I did make the decision, which is interesting to actually look back and own for myself because at first I didn't want to own it. I was in denial. I was like, yeah, no, I would never do that. It was alcohol. And it was like, no, you actually did that. And you did it for a reason because you had to, you had to experience that because you needed to, to understand what repression and suppression and oppression does to a human soul and, and how internally trapped some can feel in the patterns, uh, emotional and mental patterns of the past. So yeah, that's my WTF moment. We just went there. So <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> oh no, thank you for, uh, for sharing that. Um, I love how open and honest you are. I can see that you're, you really build that emotional resilience. That's, that's such a, such an example for all of us, all the souls that are listening and are waiting for, um, sort of for an approval to get deeper into their pain into their into their core sometimes we need to know that that is that it is possible that some other people have done it that we are safe mm -hmm. that we are safe to go where we don't want to go and that is where the real healing starts from absolutely so what does emotional healing really mean to you 
Hmm. Emotional healing is is an opening. It it is utilizing all of the suppressed emotions and shame, guilt, fear, sadness, anger, rage. It is allowing them the space to be heard, to be acknowledged, and utilizing them not to harden us and create higher walls and protect our hearts from ever being hurt again, but actually to soften us and to allow them to open us into those emotionally resilient but also vulnerable and naked souls that we want to be. Like, we want to be seen. Um in this world and for who we truly are, not the, the pretending and the masks we put on, um, to make us feel more comfortable or, or safe in the world. But emotional healing is, is the journey inwards. It's, it's actually going to the places that aren't necessarily comfortable to feel the pain and to allow it to teach us and transform us into stronger, more connected, beautiful beings that we are. Um, because the more we actually process our pain, the faster we are at metabolizing it in the future and in the present moment. It's now no longer something we suppress. It's like, okay, yep, this is coming up for me. Okay, what is this? And then we can move mm -hmm. faster. Yeah. And the faster we can move through our emotions and <clears throat> actually allow them as safe space to be felt and heard, I think the 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 more aligned we are with our truth and that internal voice that we were talking about at the beginning of the call. So, yeah, that's emotional healing for me, feeling. Feeling. <laughs> Ultimately yep. feeling. Wow. Yeah. You've, you've and just being got, on your body. Yeah. You just have the most beautiful and heartfelt explanation. I just love that. Um, yeah. So you talked about suppressed emotions. Mm -hmm. You talked about anger, sadness. How do you believe that anger and control are linked together? Hmm. How do I believe anger and control? So I think that when we feel unsafe or there is uncertainty and we feel maybe internally out of control or we don't feel safe because we can't control the external environments, that puts us in a space either where we're repressive or reactive. And so I think reactive is, is most of the times comes out through anger, but underneath the anger is the fear, is the sad, is the shame, is the, the really the fear of the unknown and or the abandonment rejection a lot of a lot of those deeper primary emotions then become expressed through anger as the secondary so i i do think that there is some association with how anger and our need for control do show up because anger if we're thinking about it as a secondary emotion there's fear underneath that and the fear actually drives us in our need to control and or manipulate certain situations, whether that be mm -hmm. people or mm -hmm. environments so that we feel safe. But what we have yeah. to understand is, is the connection 
to who we are and our souls and that internal voice is really where our source is really where that safety and security is cultivated, not in the world around us, but actually in understanding who we are, our emotional matrix, and also our thoughts, because that creates that clearer, confident connection with who we are. And I think that those deeper roots into uh, our inner being, if you will, is what allows us to stand firmly grounded with no matter what is happening around us, because we know ultimately who we are, what we're doing here. And, and yeah, I think that's freedom. That's yeah. liberation. Yeah. And it all starts from the need to feel safe. Yep. And if we don't understand that need from a spiritual, from a higher perspective, mm -hmm. Right. It, it goes like it starts from the ego instead, and that generates that that need of control. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how can we how can we uh, create that emotional safe space for us in our everyday life? Yeah. Well, I think it's important. Is okay. What does safety mean to you? Like, ask yourself that question. Okay, what do I need to feel safe? And whether that be in relationships or well, actually, everything's a relationship with somebody. So um, whether it be intimate mm -hmm. friendships, uh, it's to get really clear about what safety looks like, that word, and what what emotional needs you need to be met to feel safe. Um, <clears throat> but for me, safety, a majority of my safety is in the cultivation with the connection with myself. So allowing yourself the space and stillness to connect How am I doing mentally today? How am I feeling emotionally? How am I feeling spiritually? How am I feeling physically? And really allowing <clears throat> that to, to, to start to be the internal guidance. And because from that space, I feel like we cultivate that, that safety, um, because we can actually have the clarity with where our boundaries are, what our emotional needs are. And because that's ever changing, right? Like our needs shift every single day. So to really do those check-ins and to say, okay, this is what I need today. And, and then to also be able to have those vulnerable conversations in workplace environments and our romantic and environment or um, relationships as well is I'm feeling this and you have to understand your emotions to actually say this, but like I'm feeling really disconnected from you and, and I would, you know, appreciate it if we could spend more time or what's going on for you. And that means you have to really know what's going on for you. You see how this is like a double thing. Yeah. Like we're, it's a oh, constant, yeah. <laughs> But it's in those vulnerable conversations, all the things we're not saying, where we create the safety. It's not in the repressing, the avoiding that actually gives us the safety we think, perceive safety. Mm -hmm. that, that, wow. That, you know what I mean? Wow, yes. <laughs> 100%. I think that we often get so caught up in our mind chatter that we mm. forget to connect to the inner voice. The thing that you were saying before, checking in with yourself, asking yourself, how do I feel mentally, physically today? What do I need today? We forget that. We forget that that's our guide. We forget that that's what, what makes us feel safe and connected because right. we're so trapped in the society, in what, in what we are taught, in the, mm -hmm. the beliefs that we have. 
yeah, <sighs> absolutely. Yeah. I have one last question. I mean, okay. a second last question. Um, if you had children, how would you teach them to to connect to themselves? How would you teach them to, to be real humans, real awakened humans? That is a... Well, I, I don't have children yet, so <laughs> this will have to be <laughs> from just my own experience. Is I think model behavior is such a is a beautiful teacher of embodiment where we actually model what what we're teaching so if we're trying to create emotional safety that we're willing to have the conversations in a safe space um and and show that it is possible to talk about feelings and for that to be acceptable in our household where it's how are you feeling and actually holding space and listening and because we've done the work ourselves to be able to hold space um but yeah i think that the the best work we can do as parents is to embody um the connection with ourselves and self-love and and really honoring self because you show your children that that your happiness matters, that your truth matters, that your soul and your path matters. And for me, there's no better gift than, than living in alignment um, and showing that it, that's a possibility in this world (laughs) with being in alignment with your truth and what makes you happy or joyful. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Because what patience, right? Mm -hmm. That there is another way to be authentic and to, to really show up in this world and yeah so probably the the relationship you built with yourself throughout all these years will just reflect on your on your future children i guess oh absolutely well think about it like as we're children we're we are emotionally conditioned from our parents and from our caretakers and we start to absorb and be imprinted by all of the modeled behaviors from our parents. So if your parents are modeling behavior where they know how to conflict, like have conflict resolution down, they can consciously communicate, they talk about their needs, they are happy and joyful and and growing and evolving every single day. Like imagine what a child would learn in that environment instead of being suppressed and or shut down for being who they are or told. And and it takes a very mindful parent to, to, to start to be aware. Okay. What are the narratives I'm sending? What are the messages? And, and of course, like, here's the thing, like you need to just be you, like your children <laughs> will still experience uh, situations and or inherit narratives or their own wounds like there's nothing you can do I think to prevent that altogether and I think it's crazy to even think that that's possible um because they all have their own lessons to learn as well so yeah those are my thoughts on on children (laughs) (laughs) I agree 100% so just to finish this off how would you define vulnerability in three words Hmm. open courageous and alive oh, I love this <laughs> <laughs> I love this Kylie 
Wow, so um, is there anything you're working on at the moment that you would like to share with the audience? Currently, I am finishing up my first book, which wow. will be, yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, me too. <laughs> which will be launching in June. So that's really on the front um, burner of, of my life's work right now. And then really, other than that, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and I'm launching a mastermind or inner, I call it the circle um, for women uh, starting March 23rd. So yeah, that's what I'm up to right now. And great. Yeah, good. Great. Okay, Kylie. Um, thank you so much for connecting. We're going to put the links um, below the podcast to your website, your social media so that people can connect with you. And um, thank you. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thanks so much, Melissa. I really appreciate it and acknowledge your commitment to yourself and to your mission on the planet and for showing up and creating this space so all of us can learn together and grow. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Kylie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and if you want to listen to more of them, why don't you subscribe on iTunes or visit www.melissapanero.com sending you deep felt 